please go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and you may be interested to know that the Sabbath appears 146 times in your King James Bible, 91 times for the Old Testament, 55 times for the New Testament. Only once is it found in the epistles, being Colossians chapter 2, which we'll look at later. Everywhere else it is found in the Gospels and the book of Acts. And of course you know that 80% of the content found in the Gospels, strictly speaking, is aimed at the Jews under the law. Deuteronomy chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 5, look at verse 12 if you will. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Compulsory, completely compulsory, absolutely compulsory, mandatory. If you were to breach the Sabbath, you'd be executed. Going back to the verse that we looked at last week from Numbers, chapter 15, verses 32 to 36. Keep the Sabbath day, Friday sundown till Saturday sundown, to sanctify it. Keep it holy, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Jehovah is speaking, and of course he is the Lord God of the Israelites. Look at verse 13. Six days thou shalt labour and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. One more time, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. So if you are a Jew, if you are a saved Jew, or if you are somebody who is born again and you believe that the Sabbath is for today, you can't hire your staff to work on the Sabbath. You are told to allow your staff to take a break. Back in the 1990s, it may be 1994 or 1995, no later than 1996, Sunday was deregulated up until the mid-1990s. Sunday was a day of rest. Shops were closed. Supermarkets were closed. You couldn't buy anything on a major scale. Yes, you had small shops that were open. News agents, of course. But the big supermarkets were closed. And around the mid-90s, it was decided that money was being lost. And the government decided to deregulate Sunday. And, of course, a lot of people were split. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, for many people, they were forced to work up to seven days a week. And a lot of mothers were forced to go out to work and their children of course, home at the weekends because schools are closed at the weekend, spent less time with their parents, less time with their mothers especially, and that was the beginning of the end of the UK. Mm. Now Sunday is just like any other day. Shops are allowed to open from 10 till 4 p.m. Pre-1996, I think maybe a year before that, maybe 95, some of the supermarkets were opening on a Sunday and paying their fine. They were completely dismissive of Sunday, and of course, after a while, pressure mounted and the governments caved. And unfortunately, people are now having to work up to seven days a week. But the Sabbath was given to the Jews under the law. Jehovah said to the Jews, you wouldn't work on the Sabbath. You'd work at best, say, Monday to Friday afternoon, if you will. And Friday evening until Saturday evening, nobody would work, period. And on top of that, the Jews were told to allow their servants, their slaves. In fact, they were told, they were ordered to allow their servants and their slaves to abstain from working. So that they could rest as well as the Jews. Look at verse 15. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee, commanded thee, 
commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath, strictly speaking, is civil, ceremonial parts of the Old Testament. It is civil. It is a ceremonial parts of the Old Testament. It isn't a moral aspect of the Ten Commandments. And I caught a clip of a debate this morning online. I've seen it maybe some years ago of a guy who was pro the Sabbath versus a guy who was anti the Sabbath. And after maybe 90 minutes of these two Americans going back and forth on the Sabbath, right at the end of this 90-minute debate, the question was put to the anti-Sabbath guy. So if you are spiritual Israel, if the church is spiritual Israel, and if the church is grafted in to Israel, and of course we are, and if the Sabbath was given to Israel, why aren't you keeping the Sabbath? What a great question. And the guy wasn't sure how to answer that. So he said, can you repeat the question? That's, not, that's always an old trick. Can you repeat the, uh, repeat the question? And of course, he put the question to him a second time. He couldn't answer it. But it's a very simple answer. The Sabbath isn't found once in the Pauline epistles. Yes, it's found in the Gospels because the Gospels, like I say, is aimed, or the content in the gospel, Gospels is 80% law. And the book of Acts is a transitional period. This isn't a difficult question, but these two scholars locking horns on a subject which doesn't really uh, affect most of us that are born again, but if you're an SDA observer or a baptist or a oneness or a charismatic they all are interested in the sabbath this is a big deal for you but for those of us which are non-denominational bible believing christians this isn't an issue but it's quite simple isn't it not once in the Pauline epistles apart from colossians chapter 2 which we may look at this morning or next sunday not once is a sabbath mentioned so therefore deuteronomy 5 verses 12 to 15 reaffirm reiterate how the sabbath especially in the context for, uh, for this morning's service and live broadcast, would be given to the Jews. A day of rest. That's what it was, a day of rest. It was mandatory, and if you broke it, you were put to death. Many Protestants today, many, uh, Cal uh, many Calvinists and replacements and Reformed Christians believe that Sunday is the Sabbath. And if you go back to when King James VI of Scotland, who became King James I of England, when he married his wife Anne, her coronation, first of all, took place on Sunday, and they called that the Sabbath, because again, King James and that uh, crowd of Christians uh, were of the belief that Sunday is the Sabbath. And when she arrived in Scotland from the continent, there was a big outcry. A lot of the uh, priests and bishops didn't want to give her a coronation, didn't want to crown her on the Sabbath. Of course, it wasn't the Sabbath, it was a Sunday. And that coronation, you may be interested to know, would last seven hours. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. So, Sabbath is Saturday, uh, Sunday is of course Sunday, the Lord Jesus Christ would come up out to the tomb on the first day of the week, being a Sunday of course, the Holy Spirit would come down from heaven on the first day of the week, being a Sunday of course, the church would meet on the first day of the week, being a Sunday of course, and the church would take up a collection on the first day of the week, which of course is a Sunday. If you breach the Old Testament rules concerning the Sabbath, you're put to death, and therefore if you come into contact with people that want other people, to observe the Sabbath, you need to be mindful of a couple of things. First of all, there is a theological tug of war going on. That's what it comes down to. It's a tug of war. And here's a quick question for you. Before you got saved, how many churches in your town were chasing you? How many Christians in your town were witnessing to you? How many saved people in your town were constantly on your back about getting saved? Maybe coming up to you in the supermarket, to the bus stop, or in the post office, and saying, are you born again yet? Are you saved yet? And of course... Most people would have to say, maybe nobody has ever witnessed to me before. I know before I was saved, only one person ever attempted to witness to me when I was 16. And I got saved many years later than that. And between that interval, nobody witnessed to me. And I've been saved 
many years now, 17 years now, and to the best of my knowledge, as I'm thinking about this this morning, I can't think of many people, really, that have gone out of their way to witness to me. But the point is this, once you get saved, these churches want you. They want you, and they want you to join their church and tithe and be a part of their system. They're more interested in getting you into their system than into the kingdom of God. Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 1, look at verse 13, if you will. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. I'm sick of these rituals. And one of the reasons why the Lord would cancel out the, the, uh, the Old Testament and initiate the New Testament was because the Jews were constantly breaching the Old Testament. They couldn't keep it, didn't want to keep it. And therefore, it was decided to initiate the new covenant. 14. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. I am too tired to bear them. I am sick of observing apostate Israel. Attempting to go through the rituals, go through the motions. Putting on a show like the Pharisees. Very pious priests. And I am always curious when I watch some of these guys online, some of these holiness preachers who preach a good preach, and I wonder what sort of parents they are at home. I wonder if they're good fathers. I wonder if they're good uh, husbands. I wonder sometimes. It's very easy, isn't it, to stand in a street corner and preach against particular sins. But how about when you go home? How are you then? Are you a light to your family? Are you head of your family? Or are you the tail? 15. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So time after time, Israel was condemned. Go to Ezekiel chapter 20. And as a result of being condemned, they would stray further from the Lord. And that's one of the reasons why when the Lord arrived, being Jesus Christ, of course, second member of the Trinity, most of Israel had no idea who he was. Apart from Simeon, Anna, perhaps Nicodemus, and Joseph of Arimathea. But the vast majority of the Jews had no idea who he was. They were too busy doing religion, you see. They were too busy following their customs. Going back to why Rome is an abomination to the Lord. And so to his most of apostate Protestantism. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel uh, chapter 20. Look at verse 12, if you will. Moreover, also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them. That they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. Did you get that? Moreover, God is speaking, Yahweh, Jehovah. Also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them. The Jews require a sign, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Whereas the Greeks seek after wisdom. A sign between me and them. The church isn't mentioned. That they may know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes, and they despised my judgments, which, if a man do, he shall even live in them. It's like part of his life doesn't have to be told to do this. It's automatic. And my Sabbaths, they greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. Almighty God is very patient, and praise the Lord for that. He's put up with me for 17 years, and he put up with the Jews for hundreds of years. Every generation seems to end in apostasy. The last word mentioned in uh, Genesis is coffin. 
The last word mentioned in uh, Malachi is curse. A cursed coffin. A cursed death. Christ died a cursed death. You've got seven churches in the book of uh, Revelation. The last church ends in apostasy. Laodicea. But I, wrote for my, uh, but I wrote for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sights I brought them out. In other words, he would suspend divine sentence against them because of the heathen. On one occasion, Moses would say to the Lord, but if you kill us, if you destroy the Jews, Pharaoh and co will say that you weren't able to take care of us. You weren't able to honor your word. A slight paraphrase. And he had a good point, Moses. If the Lord decided to just wipe out Israel, at that time, maybe six million strong. What would the heathen think? The Jews would be a laughing stock, wouldn't they? Yet also I lifted up my hand unto them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands, because they despise my judgments. This is God's people. This is God's elect nation. For the New Testament, the two natures of the believer. Because they despised my judgments and walked not in my statutes, but polluted, but polluted, but polluted, defiled my Sabbaths. For their heart went after their idols. And this again is aimed at Israel. The church isn't in the picture once. Nevertheless, mine eye spared them from destroying them. Neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness. The Lord is very patient, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 18. But I said unto their children in the wilderness, Walk ye not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know, that ye may know, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. This is a covenant. This is a contract between Jehovah and the Jews. You've got ten commandments. One out of the Ten Commandments is civil and ceremonial. It's like a day. On the first day, it was such and such. On the second day, it was such and such. On the third day, it was such and such. The Sabbath is to mark the creation week. The Sabbath is to commemorate the creation week. It has no reference to anybody living today. If you are a Bible-believing Christian and you don't break bread on a regular basis on a Sunday, nobody's going to put you out of the church or execute you. But for the Old Testament, if you breach the Sabbath being a Saturday once again, not a Sunday, and had no good reason for it, you'd be put to death. And therefore these verses time after time are reaffirming a contract, an agreement concerning Jehovah and the Jews. 22. Nevertheless, I would do mine hand and wrote for my name's sake. This is all down to his name's sake, for his name's sake. He allows this and that to happen for his name's sake. He would save those of us which are saved, we are saved in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. That it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen, in the sight of the Gentiles, and whose sights I brought them forth. So you can't miss it, can you? A reoccurring covenant between Jehovah and the Jews. Go to Leviticus chapter 19. If you are a Christian, you're under grace. And never lose sight of that. Never lose sight of that. You have great liberty in the Lord. What you have, the Jews never had. It's like this. Let's say one day all of your debts are cleared and you've been heavily in debt for say 10 years and after a while of struggling to pay your debts somebody very kindly clears your debt for you and of course that's a great picture of grace but after having all of your debts cleared you intentionally, you intentionally put yourself back into debt. That's a picture of Christians today going back into the law. That's what the book of Galatians is all about. Leviticus 19 
Leviticus 19, look at verse 3. You shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. This will feed into probably next week's message. Honour thy father and mother. And here, honouring parents is almost synonymous with the Sabbath, because the Sabbath was a period of rest, a period of worship, a period of time with friends and family, but especially family. Pre-deregalisation, around 1996, Sunday was a sacred day. And if you were forced to work on a Sunday, you got double pay. I think in parts of Germany, even today, there are laws in place that you're not able to work on your cars on a Sunday. You can't have loud music playing on a Sunday. It could be in parts of Bavaria, I think, from memory, uh, which of course is Munich. And uh, if you break some of those ordinances in parts of Germany, the police will be called and you will be spoken to. But we've lost that. Sunday in the UK is just another day. There's no more double pay. And uh, I think it's probably typical of most parts of the world. But 19.3 again, ye shall fear. How about that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But here, ye shall fear every man, his mother and his father. And keep and keep and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So time after time, this is aimed at the Jews, like I say. And it's tied in with their families. We could say for one aspect of uh, observing Sunday observance, we could say this, that at best it allows Christians to spend time with other Christians, save people, of course, to break bread, to enjoy the word like we are doing this morning, to pray and intercede for those that we are affiliated with. And we've had some pretty sad news this week. One of our friends has lost a sibling, a horrific death. I won't go into detail, but... We've been praying for this person and we are praying for this person now and we hope that those that are listening to this broadcast will pray for this person. The Lord knows who they are. And that's one of the blessings of coming together on a Sunday morning to to stop and pause, to look back over the last week and thank the Lord for giving us grace to make it through another week, to enjoy a rest, a period of uh, worship. But in the world that we now live in, Sunday is... No longer a holy day. And like I say, for the Jews back in the Old Testament, Saturday was compulsory. Go to the book of Nehemiah. If you are a Christian, thank the Lord. You're not bound by the old covenant. And I say that very carefully. I wouldn't last five minutes living back in the Old Testament times or in the New Testament times. I think we are probably living in the best era ever. We're very fortunate. Lives for the most part, or our lives for the most part, in the West especially, are pretty uh, cushy, pretty comfortable. For the most part, we don't have to walk five miles to get water. We don't have to uh, plough the ground. We don't have to put ourselves out or guard our own neighbourhoods. You know, we have police to do that for us. We have teachers to teach our children. At least that's what they should be doing. Of course, most schools are in the right state now. But my point is this. We are living in a very privileged generation. Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah uh, chapter 13. Look at verse 15, if you will. In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves and lading asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. Nehemiah was a good Jew, and here he's observing his people breaching the Sabbath. And of course, naturally, he is grieved. I guess we'd be grieved if people were to profane the Lord's Day, blaspheme the Lord's Day, uh, mock the Lord's Day, force Christians against their will to work on the Lord's Day. And here, 
You're way back in the Old Testament, back under the law. And here, Nehemiah is zealous. He's very zealous concerning the Sabbath. Look at verse 16. There dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Breaching once again the clear uh, verses from Numbers 15, 32 to 36. You've got, what, six days to get your shopping in? Six days to get your house in order? You don't need seven days, and yet most supermarkets are packed on Sundays, and yet people have got all week to shop. 17, then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do, and profane the Sabbath day? He's going to challenge them. Now again, Protestants, Calvinists, SDA observers, Baptists, and others believe that Sunday is the Sabbath, and they will put a lot of pressure on Christians to observe the Sabbath, but go back to King James 6 one more time. He meets his wife. They uh, fall in love very quickly. They are able to plan their future. They return to Scotland. A seven-hour coronation awaits Anne of Denmark. And yet the priests were very unhappy about this. The bishops were very unhappy. They thought they were breaching the Sabbath. And they said to James, if we're not careful, we're going to be called Sabbath breakers. Of course, they were wrong. They were too busy back in the Old Testaments. And that was one of my criticisms of Oliver Cromwell. He was too much of a politician and not enough of a preacher. He was too much of uh, an Old Testament observer and not a New Testament observer. Most Christians, most Protestants, most Calvinists fail terribly, fail miserably when it comes to rightly dividing the word of truth. And they are always going back to the Old Testament trying to prove and preach doctrines with the New Testament. Did not your fathers thus and did not our God bring all this evil upon us? And upon this city, yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. He's saying quite honestly this, I could put you to death for what you are doing. Go back to Numbers 15, going back to Exodus chapter 19. Jehovah gave the Jews the chance to enter into this covenant relationship. And again, I'm always shocked when I read Exodus chapter 19. Did the Jews know what they get themselves into? And it came to pass, verse 19, that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged, that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set I at the gates, that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. He's got his guards on the gates. He's going to enforce this. But for today, we don't enforce observance of the Lord's day. So the merchants and sellers of all kind of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice outside of Jerusalem. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. He's warned them off. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves, and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. So Nehemiah was an upright Jew, and he'd worked very closely with uh, Ezra, with the rebuilding of the temple. And here he's seeing the Sabbath breached intentionally. He's seeing uh, sheaves and wine and grapes and figs being, uh, being brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, verse 15. He takes his people on. He challenges them, uh, 16, 17, and 18. And on top of that, by 21, he's got his men. And also 20 and 19 on the gates. He's going to push back on this breach of the Sabbath. Go to 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 1 so again 10 commandments 
Uh, nine out of the ten call for the death penalty if you breach uh, those commandments. The last one, of course, is uh, lusting, coveting, which doesn't result in the death penalty, but the other nine do. And yet the Sabbath is the only one which is not a mile parts of the Ten Commandments. And on top of that, it's only for the Jews, because again, it's civil and ceremonial. It doesn't feature in the moral parts of the Ten Commandments. First Corinthians chapter 1. Now I showed you from Ezekiel 20 about the sign between Jehovah and the Jews. And First Corinthians chapter 1 reaffirms this. Look at verse 22. For the Jews require a sign... And the Greeks seek after wisdom. So the Jews want to see something, going back to how they began, Exodus chapter 3, signs and wonders, whereas the Greeks, the Gentiles, want to experience something philosophical. They want to comprehend how the universe came into being. And of course, the more you think about how the universe came into being, you will go insane. The more you try and comprehend how God is eternal, you will go insane. The more you try and comprehend how God is three, and yet one, like three and one, one and three, and the one in the middle died for me, you will lose your mind. You can't comprehend these things. You were never told to comprehend these things, but you were told to believe them. 23, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. Nothing much has changed, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So the Sabbath is a sign. Go back to the 1st century BC, or go back to 500, make that 1500 years BC. You've got 6 million Jews living in Canaan, which will become the promised land. You've got maybe 10, 15, perhaps 20 million Gentiles outside of the promised land. And every Sabbath, you've got around 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 million Jews not working. It's very quiet in the camp, and the Gentiles are saying, but all this lost income, all this lost money... Going back to what I said last Sunday, how Jews today struggle to keep the Sabbath. They don't deactivate their websites. They don't shut down online transactions. Money is still being generated during the Sabbath. And of course, as that continues uh, to take place, they are breaching the Sabbath. Go to Colossians chapter 2. They are also hiring Gentiles to allow them to run their businesses while desperately not wanting to breach the Sabbath. And of course, once you hire Gentiles, going back to uh, what we looked at from uh, Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, you breach the Sabbath. So the Jews are snookered, as we would say. They can't get around it. And that's why the Old Testament is now kaput. Matthew chapter 5, the Lord told you how he came to fulfill the law. But of course, if you are a typical Jew today, and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you are snookered. You are stuck. You can't get around it. And of course, you are going further into sin and rebellion if you are breaching the sabbath which come back to numbers 15 one more time would result in capital punishment colossians chapter 2 now this is the only part for memory in the new testament in the pauline epistles where the sabbath is mentioned this is the only part where paul mentions a sabbath colossians chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 look at verse 16 if you will let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon, of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ, shadow of things to come, thousand year reign. Yes, a Sabbath will be reinitiated during the thousand year reign, not for the church, but for resurrected Israel. Yes, the third temple will be put up, uh, Revelation chapter 12, during the uh, tribulation, and as far as I'm aware, it doesn't get destroyed during the tribulation, and will be used 
during the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ezekiel speaks about this. Ezekiel 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49 and beyond. And also be aware of this, that when Paul wrote this around 55 AD, the temple was set up. The Jews were still going to the temple every Sabbath. You had saved Jews, saved Jews that were still keeping the Sabbath and observing the feast days. The Apostle Paul would do this. Book of Acts, on one occasion, James, the Lord's half-brother, says to Paul, we've got some zealous Jews that are criticizing you, saying that you are a blasphemer, in essence. Uh, we want you to take a vow, we want you to do this and do that, just to show them that you haven't breached the Mosaic Covenants. And of course, Paul would do just that. He would say he was all things to all men, that he might win some. That he might win some, that he might win some to the Lord. And Paul would shave his hair off, take some vows, go into the temple, and offer sacrifice to Jehovah. So therefore when it says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, you've got liberty in the Lord, on respect of an holy day. Of course there are no holy days for the Gentiles. This is aimed at saved Jews, you understand. Or of the new moon, there's no new moons for Gentiles. Or of the Sabbath days, again aimed at saved Jews, which are a shadow, a type of things to come. Of course Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. You can't beat that. You can't perfect that. But the body, the church, is of Christ. Look at 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered, and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Don't allow people to come along and say that you are somehow holier, more accepted than the beloved for worshipping angels, which of course is idolatry. Don't allow people to beguile you. Old English for being deceived, like Eve was beguiled. Don't allow people to toss you to and fro. That's what uh, chapter 2 is also about, how you are completing Christ. Verse 10, don't need anyone or anything else to perfect you. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? You are now dead to the law, that's what Romans is all about. Why do you want to be inbound or be bound to the law? Again, wherefore, if ye be dead, if ye be dead, if ye be dead, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, rules, regulations, ordinances, unlike what the Jews could experience back in the Old Testament, they weren't free from all of those commandments, over 600. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Put that straitjacket back on. I've got to get to church. It's Sabbath today. If I'm late for Sabbath, I'm in trouble. Not far from me, there's a mosque. And I was walking back home, I saw this young Muslim boy ran past me. I thought, Friday prayers. And of course, he doesn't want to be late, because in some of those uh, mosques, they will whip you. They got sticks. He was no more than probably 18, and he was late for Friday prayers, and he ran past me. I thought, you poor, you poor guy. You're hoping for the light, you're hoping for the truth. Buddha was hoping for the light, and yet Christ said he was the light of the world. Buddha was looking for the way, and yet Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And this Islamic boy, running to the mosque, desperate to get there on time, he's under a system. He's bound to ordinances, rudiments, rules and regulations. He has to eat particular foods. He has to dress a particular way. He has to abstain from this or that. Doesn't know if he's saved or not, like most Jews, and certainly most Catholics. Touch not, verse 21, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. It's all going to be wiped out. We're looking for permanent, eternal things, not temporary, not temporal. 
things. Most of this world is temporal, temporary. We're looking for something permanent, like New Jerusalem, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honour to the satisfying of the flesh. It's all flesh. It's all flesh. Friday prayers, Sabbath observance, holy days of obligation, Easter Sunday, Good Friday, Yom Kippur, it's all obsolete. But you see, people want to do something. People want to be religious. Go to Romans chapter 14. Unfortunately, when people get saved, uh, many times they are also under a lot of pressure to become religious. Put themselves back under the law. And of course, once you're back under the law, you are a debtor to keep the whole law. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Look at verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man... Be fully persuaded in his own mind. So, you want to observe the Sabbath? Be my guest. You want to observe the Lord's Day being Sunday? Be my guest. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. Forgiveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not. And giveth God thanks. You can't beat this. There's no grace in Islam. There's no grace in Judaism. There's no grace in Buddhism or Taoism or even Freemasonry for that matter. There's no grace like what we have as far as Bible believers are concerned. For none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself because the Lord lives in all of us. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. You show me any religion. Any religion on the face of the earth that can promise you this, that can give you this, that can give you in writing or state in writing that you are saved and that you know you are saved. And yet people say, but I want to keep the law. I want to be religious. Go to Acts chapter 15. And they say, but Abraham kept the law. They say, uh, Isaac kept the law. They say, Jacob kept the law. They say, Jonah kept the law. They say, uh, David kept the law. They say, Solomon kept the law. If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. That's what they say. Acts chapter 15. Look what Simon Peter says. Simon Peter, Prince of the Apostles, according to the Catholic Church, the first Pope, according to the Catholic Church, Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, look at verse 10. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke, to put a yoke, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, believing Gentiles, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? It's a yoke, it's a burden, it's heavy. It's going to pull you down. It's going to cripple you. And yet you'd be surprised how many people are back under the law, doing their lordship salvation, very religious, very pious, like the Pharisees. And yet you go spend some time with those guys. Are they good fathers? Are they good husbands? Are they good uncles? Are they good grandfathers? Are their wives in submission to them? Are their kids in submission to them? Do they love their wives? Do they love their children? Are they really setting a good example? Are they the breadwinners? You can stand on a street corner and shut your head off all day long. But you spend time with these guys. And you'll know within five minutes whether they really are the real deal. 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Wonderful words from Simon Peter. And in essence, he's telling you that the Jews couldn't keep the law. He couldn't keep the law. Paul couldn't keep the law. Paul says we establish the law. We fulfill the law. We rest in the law. Yes, the law is good. Yes, it will be used and can be used to convert a sinner. Absolutely. To break a sinner. To show a sinner that he's no good. She's no good. And yes, the law is wonderful in that aspect. But you try and keep the law. 
You try and keep it to the letter. You can't. The law is meant to bring you to Christ. The law is meant to break you down. The law is to humble you. It's to show you that you're no good. That God is good and you're not. The law is not for you. It is against you. And yet people don't want to deal with this. A lot of people, that is not all people, but a lot of people don't want to deal with this. A lot of Protestants and Baptists and SDA people don't want to deal with this. And they come into contact with somebody who is a new Christian, going back to what I said, and once that person gets saved, they're all over that person like a rash. Come to our church. We've got a service next week. We'll give you a very warm welcome. And off you go to that service. It could be Saturday if it's a Sabbath or Sunday, if it's the Lord's Day, and you may want to join that church. And all of a sudden, you've got all these friends, all these friends, falling over themselves to greet you. But where were they five years ago? Or five months ago? Or five weeks ago? Where were they? They weren't knocking on your door. They weren't speaking to you on the streets. And I've seen this so many times over the years. I've done street work for 17 years. I've spoken to people all over the UK. And I know what happens. These people many times get saved. Not always, but many times they get saved. And the first thing they want to do is join a church. Not against that. If it's a Bible-believing church, if it's a real fellowship where they'll feed you and lead by a good example but where were they before you were saved where were they before you were saved so it's a spiritual tug of war they want to claim you and keep you that's what these churches are really wanting to do like a lot of these people online they want to keep you and claim you and yet the the, uh, the reality is that you've been set free from the law christ has saved you from the condemnation he became a curse for you it says how cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And of course he died a cursed death for you. He kept the law for you. He has fulfilled it for his father. And you are now set free from that curse and condemnation. But again, all debts are being cleared. Picture of grace. And for some people they want to go back into debt. And as a result they are now condemning themselves. And as far as I'm concerned you can count me out from that condemnation.